Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 124. Today, I will be talking about an affair and a murder plot in a small Midwest town. My sources for today's episode are American Monster, Season 10, Episode 5, titled Enjoy the Moment, The Cinemaholic, LansingStateJournal.com, New York Post, and WLNS.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. In today's episode, we'll be talking about a man named Amar al-Yasari. Amar grew up in Kalbara, Iraq. He was very smart and helpful to his siblings. He was especially close to his sister, Zara, who would later come live with him in the U.S. Amar always wanted a better future for himself. In 2008, Amar went to study agriculture economics at Michigan State University in Lansing, Michigan. He earned a scholarship but signed a document that he would return to Iraq after he graduated. Amar's English wasn't that good, but he was willing to be open and talkative. He met with an advisor who would assist the Iraqi community. His advisor had a daughter, Bidor, and they were introduced to each other. Amar spoke very highly of Bidor and said she was kind and loving. They were engaged just a month later. Amar's family was still in Iraq, and his parents were devastated that they missed his wedding day. It was risky for Amar to get married. The point of his scholarship was to return to Iraq after he graduated, and if he didn't, he would have to repay the money on his own. Amar's family didn't know anything about Bador or her family. Amar asked his family to speak to Bador over the internet to try to get to know her. Amar's sister Zara knew that Amar had made a mistake in marrying her. Bador was only 18 when they met, and Amar was 26. In July 2010, Amar and Bador flew to Iraq for his sister's wedding. They went out of their way to throw a party for the first time meeting Bador. Bador didn't think it was enough, and she complained to Amar about Amar's family and wanted to be the center of attention. By that summer, Bador was pregnant. They had their daughter, Abadiah. Amar lit up when he spoke about his daughter. He was loving and supportive. Amar eventually graduated with his master's degree, and Bador also graduated. Amar was proud of her and wanted them both to be successful. Amar loved to film everything as well as his adventures with his daughter to show his family. After he graduated, Amar worked as a mortgage loan officer. In April 2015, they had their second daughter, and a year later they bought their first home in Holt, Michigan. The house had a big backyard, a pool, and several bedrooms. Amar was very proud of himself. 
But Bedora started to slip away. She loved to use Snapchat and use filters to take pictures of her and the girls. She would also brag to everyone about everything that Amar had bought for her. She loved showing off her new clothes and jewelry. Amar's sister Zara came to Michigan to live with them. Bedora wasn't happy. When Amar wasn't around, Bedora was very mean to Zara. Amar and Bedora were getting ready to have their third child. When they went for a checkup, though, the doctor was concerned about Bedora's hormone levels, and Bedora lost the baby. Months later, Amar was constantly going to his sister's house. Once she moved out without Bedora, he seemed very sad, and he apparently had discovered texts that Bedora was sending complaining about him. Bedora's colleagues at work also discovered that she was meeting with a guy every day at lunch, and they also saw them kissing. In January 2019, Amar contacted his sister and spoke to her about his life with the kids. He brought up what, it, what would happen to the kids if something happened to him, and it's like he knew that something was going to happen just a month later. On February 4, 2019, Bedora contacted the police at 8.05 p.m. Bedora said that she and the kids ran errands after school. She said they arrived home, and she found Amar laying on the ground. She said she was too afraid to go back inside, she said she thought someone had broken in and harmed him. The dispatcher wanted Bedora to go check if Amar was breathing, but Bedora said she was too afraid. When the police arrived, no one besides Amar was inside the house. Amar was lying on the floor in the hallway. He was lying face up in a pool of blood. He had several wounds to his head, neck, and face. He had about 24 chop wounds to those areas. The weapon was believed to be a hatchet or axe. It's believed that Amar was ambushed as soon as he walked in and took his shoes off. The front door had been unlocked. Nothing was taken from the house. There were a lot of electronics still around the house, and Amar had his wallet on him. The police ruled out the crime as being a robbery or home invasion. The house also smelled like bleach, and some of the bleach had been poured on Amar. The neighbors that lived directly across the street were interviewed. They had been returning home from shopping, and they had seen a male walking towards Amar's house. They then saw the male walk into the house. Bedore was interviewed at the police station. She was asked if Amar had mentioned anyone wanting to harm or hurt him, and she said no. She said Amar didn't socialize or have a big group of friends like she did. Bedore was asked if she and Amar had any issues in their marriage. Bedore said Amar never wanted her to go out with her friends, and she would, he would constantly ask her where she was. Bedore eventually admitted that she had a friends with benefits type of relationship with another man. She said she had met a lot of guys and would have hookups with them. Bedore said there was one man that she recently had told she was married. She was asked what the man's name was, but she didn't want to say anything. She said she didn't want to get him in trouble if he didn't do anything. Bedore asked for a lawyer, which ended the interview, and it was clear that she was protecting someone. On February 6th, the police received a phone call. The man on the other end told the police who they should be looking at in the murder investigation. He said the man's name was Jake. He didn't know his last name, but he said the guy was having an affair with Bedore. He also said that Bedore was constantly out partying when she wasn't at home with her family. The contents of Bedore's phone were looked at to try to identify this Jake person, and they learned that Bedore had two Facebook accounts. One was for her family life, and the other was for her double life and speaking to other men. The police were able to identify the man as Jacob Fisher. The police were able to find him on Facebook from a missed audio call with Bedore. The police were also able to track where Jacob lived. 
On February 6th, the police did a stakeout at Jacob's home. Jacob wasn't home, but his roommate Levi was. Levi left the house and started walking to a local bar nearby, and Jacob was at the bar when Levi arrived. One of the detectives sat a few stools down from them. They were very hush-hush about their conversation, and Jacob was arrested that night due to being very intoxicated. He was arrested for disorderly conduct. Jacob was interviewed, but he said he was too drunk at the time, and he asked for a lawyer and was transferred to the jail. Levi was interviewed, too. He said that Jacob and Bedore had been in a relationship since about August 2018. He said they were in love and he thought Bedore was going to leave her husband. The police found text messages between Bedore and Jacob throughout their relationship. They had broken up in October. Bedore reached out to him again in November and there were many Snapchat videos of them together. Bedore had introduced one of her daughters to Jacob. They spoke up about running off together and moving to the West Coast. Just a few weeks before the murder, Bedore wrote that she wanted Amar dead. She told Jacob that Amar was verbally abusive and controlling, and in one message, Jacob wrote that he was going to pound Amar to the ground. At Jacob's house, the police found the packaging for an axe and a receipt from a Kroger grocery store. The axe and bleach had been purchased there. Jacob could be seen on the Kroger surveillance camera at 3.33 p.m. purchasing the items. At 3.35 p.m., Jacob walked out the door carrying his groceries. The police followed him in the surveillance footage to see what type of vehicle he was in. He had exited a red Dodge truck, which Bedore owned. It was clear that Bedore was involved. Jacob stayed in jail following his disorderly conduct arrest. The police searched through his belongings, and inside his wallet they found a bus pass. He had used his bus pass on February 4th, the day of the murder. He was dropped off near Amar's house. Jacob Fisher was charged with murder. Zara said that Bedore's reaction to learning about Jacob's arrest wasn't normal. The police discovered a screenshot of Bedore and Jacob's communication. In one message, Jacob said, Jacob asked Bedore to tell him how much Amar had hurt her, and Bedore sent him a list of everything she claimed he had done. There had never been any evidence that Amar had ever been abusive or controlling. Both Bedore and Amar's vehicles had dash cams inside. The dashcam footage was watched by the police. At 5.32 p.m., Bedore could be heard telling her daughters that she needed to disarm the house alarm on February 4th. Jacob boarded the bus at 5.33 p.m. Bedore took her daughters to the library and left at 6.52 p.m. They arrived home and Bedore found Amar but called Jacob first before dialing 911. On February 14, 2019, Bedore was arrested. Jacob and Bedore went on trial separately, and they both pled not guilty. The prosecutors in both trials said that Jacob and Bedore had planned to run away with Bedore's daughters. Bedore was manipulating Jacob the whole time. Jacob claimed that Bedore hadn't been involved, but there was evidence that Bedore had taken Jacob to buy the murder weapon, so she clearly was. On February 4th, Jacob attacked Amar as soon as he walked into the house. Jacob then tried to clean up the crime scene and poured bleach on Amar. Both Jacob and Bedore were found guilty of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder and were sentenced to life without parole. In 2019, Bedore's appeal was denied. She claimed that the police's seizure and search of her phone was an invasion of privacy, but the court ruled that the police had probable cause to search her phone. Bedore was manipulative, but Jacob was obsessed with saving Bedore. 
He just believed that Amar was controlling and abusive, as Bador claimed. Jacob seemed to be so in love and blinded by Bador that he didn't take one second to think about the consequences he would face for brutally killing a loving father of two young girls. My heart goes out to Amar's family, especially his sister Zara and his daughters. My book recommendation for this week is Down the Hill, My Descent into the Double Murder in Delphi by Susan Hendricks. Former CNN and HLN anchor and veteran broadcast journalist Susan Hendricks takes an investigative deep dive into the still unsolved double homicide of two teens in Delphi, Indiana, and its lasting impact on the community. On February 13, 2017, two teenage girls, 13-year-old Abby Williams and 14-year-old Libby German, decided to enjoy a day off from school by exploring the popular hiking trails near the Monon High Bridge, just a few-minute drive from Libby's home in Delphi. Libby's sister Kelsey dropped the two girls off at the head of the trail and waved to them as they walked down the path, which was the last time they'd ever be seen alive. Less than 24 hours later, their bodies were found on the north bank of Deer Creek, about a mile from where they were last seen. There were few clues and little to go on in terms of physical evidence, except for the visual and audio remnants of a strange encounter the girls had with a stranger just hours before their disappearance. An encounter unsettling enough that Libby had thought to record it on her cell phone as it unfolded. In the years since the murders were first made public, Libby's audio and video recordings have been released and two very different composite sketches of the suspect have been shown. But local, local law enforcement remained vague about developments for years, until finally, in October 2022, the long-awaited suspect was arrested and a trial date was set. Longtime anchor and journalist Susan Hendricks was one of the first reporters to cover the case, a broadcast veteran with decades' worth of experience under her belt. She was no stranger when it came to sharing the tragedies of the day with viewers. But there was something about this case that rattled her to her core. A year after the murders, Susan went to Delphi to interview the victims' families for an in-depth special report where Kelsey drove Susan down the same path that she drove her sister down on the last day of her life. Over the years, Susan has built close relationships with family members and law enforcement officials and armchair detectives alike who are determined to get justice for Abby and Libby. In Down the Hill, Hendricks digs deeper into the mystery that has captivated our nation for years, exploring the family's enduring resilience and advocacy, as well as rip the rippling effect that the case has not just on Delphi, but the very heart of the American heartland. As a result, this book is more than just a book about a dumb homicide. It's about a small town in middle America that's been haunted by an unfathomable act of violence. It's about the ways families and communities cope with grief and move forward after tragedy, it's about the limitations of local law enforcement and the rise of technology in helping to solve cases in new ways. But it's also about compassion, connection, empathy, and resilience on a very real, very human level. It's no secret that this case has shocked the nation. Two young girls, just 13 and 14, disappeared during a day off from school. They must have known something was off when they were being followed by the man believed to have been their killer. Sure, they probably recorded each other on Snapchat all the time, but he was caught on camera as well as his voice. I think everyone has the same feeling now, relief that a killer was finally caught. But are these girls going to have the justice they deserve, or was the right person arrested for this crime? I'd love to know what you think about this case. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, email me at itscrimeoclocksummer at gmail.com, 
buy me a coffee, and please leave me a five-star rating and review if you're enjoying this podcast. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.